Blog Talk Radio. Doing breeze here, but I'll be chiming in every now and then. But I'm here. Go ahead. 
Okay. okay. Um, so first, okay, go ahead. Kind of what, when after listening to, listening back on last week's show when we were talking about victims and, and pornography, and we totally jumped over the whole, you know, dynamic of how a lot of the women in that industry are victimized, you know, right. in the in the countless right. ways in which they're victimized when we were talking about victims of porn. You know, I think we kind of missed that one. And, um, yeah, cause and, well, because we, we we talked about how um, people who are more porn addicts talked about those right. people. We didn't talk about the people right. who are actually in the industry, um, right. which I think is very important that we should yeah. talk about that also. Um, I do think, you know, just kind of depending on most of the people, I haven't done any thorough research on it, but you do hear about people who enter um, the sex industry. Right. Um, basically, you know, they're very young and very vulnerable and are taken advantage of, or they think it's a gateway. Right. Just something bigger and better. In right. legitimate films. Right. So I'm going to get right. some attention and, and I need some quick money. Um, and right. a lot of people, um, you know, the money is very attractive if you have nothing and you're living on the street and somebody offers this to you and you can make a lot of money in a short amount of time, or not even a lot of money, but just something more than you have, it's very right. impressive too. A few minutes a few minutes of work for, you know, more money yeah. than you could make going and getting, you know, a job at McDonald's. Right. So there are a lot of there are a lot of predators out there that take advantage of people who are in very vulnerable positions. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't go and drug um you know a lot of people enter the enter it because of you know their drug issues right I was going to say that. drugs mhm mm-hmm. so yeah I, I definitely think there are a lot of victims. do you think that what is the difference between someone who you think enters the business um, and whether and we can put in you know we can include. I don't know. Can you do you think you can include prostitution in with this also, or do you think that's separate? I think it's something. Well, it, it prostitution sometimes springboards off of of of, of industries like the porn industry and you know stripping and, and and any of those exotic industries. Prostitution always seems to work its way into those, or those seem to work their way into prostitution. You know, but you know, he's the oldest profession known to man <laughs> for specific right. reasons. You know, right. I think just about anything can be driven or or can be drawn back to prostitution on some form in some form, form or fashion. Yeah, I don't think that there's any society or any realm of history that does not involve prostitution. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's on it's some everywhere. level. <laughs> oh yeah, on, some, on level. some level, it's there. On Even in level. remember, this makes me think about when we went to Italy and we went to Pompeii, which was mm. the city that was destroyed in seventy nine A.D. And they have on the streets in Pompeii, they have this picture of this penis in a one of the bricks on the street. That is pointing right. to a brothel. That's basically telling you that there's a brothel in this direction. Right. Wow. So, 
and then on the brothel, you go to the brothel, and they have all these little rooms with these um, stone beds that I assume that were covered with straw or something um, when they were being used. But along right. the border of the of the rooms, they have um, pictures of people depicted in different sexual positions. Wow! Right. In all of the right, rooms right. and on the along the along the borders of the ceiling, like right. it's a like a little ceiling border. Which is interesting. Right. So it's it's definitely not new. Hell no, it's like you've been around for a long time. Nothing as long new. As right. And you know we're and we're sexual beings. So one way or another, um, and you know, that opens up the whole discussion of women using sex as a tool, or right. a mean, you know, for it, whether it's a means to make money or a means to get. A number of things, a promotion, or right. you know, not just women, but you know, men too. Right. But right. because women it's, have been limited in the things that they have been able to do, or what was open to them, that they have used sex as a tool. Right. Because of the limitations that society has <clears throat> placed on them, they haven't had a lot of choices. A lot of times, women in even even today, you hear about countries where women are not educated, and they All have right. to depend on their families, mainly their husbands, to take care of them because they right. have no way of making a living for themselves. And if their husband dies, mm-hmm. what else do they have to take care of themselves? Yeah. I mean, they're left very vulnerable. Um, and in fact, there are some places in India where if the if the husband dies, once the kids become adults, they pretty much abandon the mother, too, because they're supposed to go on and have their own family. And so here's this older woman who has no education, and she has nowhere to go or any way to take care of herself or to feed herself. So a lot of times women don't have any choice but to sell what they have. What else do they have? And spiritually, if we talk about that on a spiritual level, what does that do to someone who their whole life has been taught that sex is sacred and you save that for your marriage and mm. it's very exclusive. And now that's the only thing that you have to offer is either, you know, sell yourself or starve to death. Right. You know, what does that do to you, to you, the fact that you've been forced to compromise yourself that much when you've been told your whole life that this is sacred? And right. you only have sex with your husband, and you know once he's gone, then that's it. And then you're you're for in order to survive, right. you're you know forced to do something that is is completely against your spirit. I mean that right. can you get any more destructive than that? And you I have know. to think about how much of that is by design of the culture. Again, when we talked about yeah, so women and that, um, that feminine energy when they're completely abandoned, when in all actuality, especially the older women, should be used for their experience and their wisdom. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, they should be honored and instead right. they're thrown away. Right, right. And when you're disconnected from that aspect of your history or, you know, someone that could lend something to your cause, when you're disconnected from that 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 component is left to repeat the same cycle over and over and over and over again, you know, without, you know, any guidance from anybody, 
everything that you're going through is brand new. And when you get cut off from the people behind you, they go through that same cycle as a brand new cycle without any wherewithal from anybody on the outside. Man, that's crazy. Right. That's crazy. And not to mention, when you <laughs> when you have sex, the energy that's, that's transferred, you know what I'm saying? When you mm-hmm. when you intimate with someone on a physical level like that, you're intertwining with that person from a, from a spiritual level. Now, all of those people that, all of those various people that a prostitute finds herself laying with are people that she is anchoring herself to on the spiritual level, you know? Right. Those energy signatures don't go anywhere. You carry them with you. So all of those, that, that adds to the confusion, you know? That adds to the confusion within her her specific experience or anyone else's who finds themselves tying themselves to plethora of people, you know? Yeah, it's not something you can just drop and let go of and dismiss. Right. Right. So it's not just something that you can, you know, let go of and and release when someone is intertwined with you on that level. Right. So how does that, how how does that look um, when you're looking at, you know, the difference between, you know, sex that's casual and sex that's, you know, more of intimate with someone who you have more of a closer intimacy with, what does it look like energy-wise, that exchange of energy? Because, you know, you are you are leaving a part of yourself and, and exchanging a part of yourself with someone, whether it's casual or not. What does that look like to just a casual right. it, 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 it casual looks, relationship man. versus someone, something that's more intimate? More intimate. Yeah. <laughs> It looks physically, it looks different. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not into watching, you know, people have sex, but I'm sure from an emotional, from an emotional level, from a spiritual level, from you know, just the transference of of energy and the communication that takes place. Because you know, within that dynamic, within the sexual act itself, it's a lot of information being conveyed, a lot of information being conve- being conveyed. You know, and most of us are just pretty much aware of the act itself. But the exchange of fluid, you know, the exchange of emotion, if you're void of emotion and you've taken yourself out of it and it's just an act for you, like you're doing jumping jacks, push-ups or at the gym, I don't think, you know, you're, of course you're not, you're not conveying as much information as you were if you were fully present within the moment, you know. Right. I think... There are multi layers of information being conveyed from a spiritual all the way down to a physical level, you know, with two people who want to be there and enjoy each other, you know, and of course there are varying degrees of that, but the the mo the two that want to be the most present will have the better experience just from a holistic standpoint, from the spiritual all the way down to the emotional and physical and Again, yes, of course, a whole lot of information, a lot more information is being conveyed with the two willing participants as opposed to the one who's just doing it for recreation or just to have fun, just to get off. Right. Yeah. Right. Is there just a, you know, that's that's a good point, too. Is there just a, quote, unquote, recreation? I mean, whether you realize it or not. Well, is it, it is it ever that just cut and dry, I, or does it really does it run deeper than that? Even you I know, think it can recreational be. sex. I think it could be recreational. I think 
it's as deep or as shallow as the person itself. That's 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 in the act. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. as deep or as shallow as you yourself can imagine it to be, or you are willing to sign value value for it. You know, some people just just look at sex as you know you inserting your penis into my vagina, and you know we gyrate a little bit till we both feel good, and that's it. You know, they don't equate anything else. So not to say that those exchanges don't take place. But if a tree falls in the forest and you're not aware of it, it doesn't make a noise. You dig? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's what you're aware of. It's what you're aware of and what you're not aware of for that matter. So if you're totally, you know, ignorant to what's really going on, then some of that stuff will escape you because you're not, you know, perceptive of it. Right. And that really brings to mind when you have two people who are in two different places, you might have one partner who is completely into the other one and the other one is just looking at it as, I just want to have sex. Right. And the attachment issues and the disconnect with, you know, basically there's um, the chaser and the runner where you have someone who is constantly trying to get closer and closer and closer and trying to get more of a connection and this means so much to me. I'm giving you a part of myself and I am... You know, I want to have as much of you as possible, and we can't get close enough, and then it's the other person who's, you know, just, mm, it didn't really mean that much to me. I'm just one to have sex. And the right. constant, you can see, because the difference in the energy that those two people put into that uh, activity or that event, how that can cause problems or issues. Right. But I think with that, it's important to know to know yourself and what your expectations are, any type of sexual relationship encounter that you're entering, and to be able to read the other person slash people that are involved in that because, um, you know, you are taking on the responsibility of yourself and those other people because those other people could have lots of expectations of you, and you're going into it thinking, I just want to feel good and have a good time and, you know, go on about my business. And then these people or someone else might be putting much, much more into it, and then you're entering something more than what you had an intention of of entering because now this person could be attached to you or they could be wanting more than they initially set on to or... Yeah. Or and it it doesn't become that cut and dry, um, you know, depending on what the person is, you know, looking for. Some people have lots of expectations. If I do this, I don't, you know, it's not something that I give away freely. So if I do this, that means that you are have a level of commitment to me. Right. And I'm not just right. going to accept you not calling me or dismissing me. And you know, I, and I think you can see this played out in many different ways. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that whole when people, um, you know, get violent or kill people or whatever it is, it's because their level of expectation is much more than the person was yeah. willing to give. Yep. Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah, I can see that. And that's more most more times the case than not. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Because there's no you know, there's no real books and nobody really 
this down and says, okay, if we have sex, <laughs> this is what I expect. Right. No, at that moment, you are just looking for some human con. I mean, everybody's looking for a human connection, and everybody's looking for human contact. And right. under different circumstances, you think that I don't want to get rejected, so I'm going to follow through with something that maybe I don't feel comfortable with doing, um, but I'm going to do it because I want this person to stay in my life. Right. Um, or, you know, I just, I need to, you know, this person is here, and, or it could be as casual as this person is here in front of me and she's offering, so I'm going to take it. Or, you know, it could be a number of things. But, but just realizing that it is an exchange of energy, no matter what, no matter how right. casual it is, and no matter how much the person who you're involved with says, you know, it might not mean anything. You really probably need to be observant and really see all of the nonverbal things that are going on so that you can get a clear picture of what's going to happen after that encounter. Right. It's never going to be, you know, it's not going to be as cut and dry as you necessarily expect it to be, depending no. on the situation. Sometimes it is, but depending on the situation. Right. Um, right. Can you have a question? Yes, I have a couple questions. Um, so one question was kind of goes along with this. Um, first question is, what do you think about pressuring someone to do something sexually um, that your partner has already voiced that they are not comfortable doing? I grew up believing that sex was dirty, and good girls don't like sex, and men will use you. And men will use you for one thing and then toss you to the side. Why would someone not understand um, my hesitation to not be as open to sex as they would like me to be? See, that's one of the mental blocks that we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of them things that you grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, you were taught that it's not this, it's not that. Yeah. And that is a mental block that pretty much you're going to have to get over or try to, um, you're going to have to work on that yourself. I mean, no, no people who haven't, who are secure and, and know what it is and know what sex really is and so on and so forth, they're they're not really going to understand that. Um, especially if you're a male. If you're a female, you can kind of relate to another female because that's just what we deal with as women. But for a guy, you know, they were taught, you know, to explore sex. Go out, sow your oats, you know, do what you do and that kind of thing where girls were like, well, if you're not a virgin or, you know, if you have too many kids and nobody's going to want you and that pussy got a lot of miles on it and, all that old bullshit. You know, that, to me, that whole thing is bullshit because, okay, how dare you say I got a lot of miles on me, but, bitch, you got community dick that every chick <laughs> around here done had. But, see, the thing about men and women is 
dudes can sit here, and I know I'm kind of getting off of it, but dudes can sit mm-hmm. here and say, yo, I had her, yo, me too, you know, and they can give each other pound and dap on that. But why can't we as women say, girl, I had that dick. You might want to go ahead and try that, girl, that dude right there. Yeah, go ahead. We, we, can't, do, we can't do that. Mm-mm. But, you know, you have the guys yeah. that do that. And I think that's so unfair. Now here she is with hang-ups about she can't try mm-hmm. something or don't want to try something, and somebody got to talk her into doing something. I mean, that, that's something that you have to get over yourself. You have to go within yourself and say, okay, what is it that I like about sex? What is it that I don't like about sex? Toss that shit aside that good girls don't enjoy sex. Good girls enjoy sex way more than a whole lot of raunchy-ass men, I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> right. Right. And I think there's a couple of things. Like, I, I think that, um, well, for one, if you have a mutual trusting relationship and you can really trust the person. I think like you had said, Danielle, you mentioned in the last episode, you can't just do everything with everybody. Right. So I think that if you are in a relationship where you can trust your partner and you can, you know, be open with your partner, then that will allow you to open up and to be a little bit more free than to think, I don't want to do that, I don't feel comfortable with that because I think that's dirty because you think that if you do that, then he's going to go back and tell his boys and then I'm going to feel worse about myself because society, as you said, has put part of your value is your sexuality. So if, if, if you know, they can they can tie to you all of this, you know, you, you've been around and how many people done had you and all that to make you feel worse about yourself or make you feel ashamed about yourself. And you go into this relationship thinking, I can't do that because I don't want him telling other people, telling his friends what I done did. So um, you automatically don't feel comfortable. But if you're in a trusting, you know, mutual trusting and trustworthy relationship, then you can be more open. And I think on both hands, you have to allow your partner to be understanding to your partner, but also allow your partner um, to, you know, maybe go at their own pace. Maybe they don't start out, but you do other things that are show a level of trust so that that person yeah. is able to open up. Um, and I think when you were, you were saying... Um, about the double standard about, you know, men can brag to all their friends about who they've had and women don't really do that. I think for one reason it's it's competition. Right. We are so competitive with each other and we're not going to um, basically pass our men around because once I had them, anybody who knows me, you that's off limits. That's the whole unwritten rule of, you know, my man, I'm not going to share my, even if I had him, you know, five years ago, I don't want my girl sitting up there talking about what she's doing with them. So it's one of them. It's one of those unwritten rules that we're very competitive and we are, you know, wow. very. Um, I tell you what, we need very to get sensitive. Over yeah, we, we yeah, big time because that's the whole absolutely and yeah, the expectations behind you know ownership it's, it's, it's of other people. It's funny to me because I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. We're we're in competition and we don't want to share and so on and so forth. But 
I'm 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 like if 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 you know somebody and you can tell me something about them and you can give me some good advice or or or, or tell me just a little bit of something then okay or if I know somebody and I can tell you a little bit about him you know yeah girl go ahead or nah you might not want to do that you'll be disappointed I mean why not why can't we share like that. Right. Why, why not can't be open we, enough why can't to be we look out for each other? Shit. I right. mean, hell, let it get to the point where I say, Well, you know what, I know him. I'll send him over there to you and if you don't do the job, damn it, I'll send him back and make him do it right. I mean that's, that's, that's how we should be. Seriously. I mean Kelly, I'm gonna need you to do me proud. Go over there. Mika wants you at nine o'clock. Go ahead over there and fuck the shit out of her. And I'm gonna call her and ask her how you did. I mean, that's, come on, let's open up. Let's open up and let's let's be for real. That's how the dudes do it. Yo, yeah, that's a funky-ass pussy. You don't want to eat that. You, don't, you know, you right. don't know. That's the, I mean, they put us out there, so damn it, we need to put them out there too. No, right. Uh, oh, I agree. I no agree. Women should be, it's, yeah, it's all, you know, I don't I don't think there's, there's any form of, communication or any topic of communication that we should not be open to and especially that um i think that's the issue is we're too closed about it and that's what gets mm-hmm. you in trouble mm-hmm. we're not nearly as open about it as we should be and i think that's and why also, we're so easy to set up also not only that but okay that that question going back to that question and if she tries to explore with a partner what it is that she likes and she doesn't like, you don't know how deep that seed could be because it could be, you know, he could be willing to take his time with her and he could say, ask her, okay, well, does this feel good when I rub your stomach or, you know, do you like it soft, do you like it gentle, or do you like to be choked? I mean, she she has to explore, she has to start somewhere to know. What, but then again, you got to consider well, no, I can't. I don't like that because I was told not to like that. If I like it, and it's a sin, you know. I mean, people don't realize mm-hmm. that shit. That shit can go really deep. You can really right. be scarred and by some old dumb shit that somebody told you when you were a little girl. Right. Or it might be just something, you know. And I think in the question, it has something about, um, you know, trying to pressure someone into doing something they don't want to do. I mean, there might mm-hmm. be just something where, you know, I'm just not into that. I ain't doing that. And then to pressure pressure you, somebody pressuring you, or you pressuring someone into trying to do something, you might have to ask about, um, you might have to ask about, or ask yourself, why, what is it about this? That I, is it a control thing? Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. it a, um, yeah. you know, is it a power thing? Why is it that I'm yeah. so adamant about you doing this? Because I ask mm-hmm. you to, or is it something that is that important to me? Mm-hmm. So you I don't want to fall you don't want to fall right. under the pressure because if you're just doing something because somebody pressured you to do it, then you're really not going to like it. And then the next time around, you're not even going to want to explore it again. You're just you're just going to shut down. Period. So I right. mean, for somebody to even pressure you and for you to just do it because you were pressured to, no, that's that's not something you want to you want to fold on to. No. Right. Right, so I think there's there's several different sides and aspects to that. But, again, it's being authentic to yourself. And if there's something that you don't feel comfortable with, ask yourself why you don't feel comfortable. Is it something that you want to do or you're willing to do but you're afraid because somebody might think of you? Um, Uh Or is it something that you're just not into? If it's something that you're just not into, you don't have any interest in it, that's one thing. 
But if it's something that because you have a fear of someone placing value on you if you take part in this activity, then that's some inner work that needs to be done. So that's definitely something to, you know, with anything. Anything that you feel adamant about or anything that you have fearful about, ask yourself why, because that, that, that indicates that there needs to be some inner work. Um, so, good question. Um, there was a caller that had a question. If you wanted to um, call back and chime in and join us, um, please do. The chat room, for some reason, is having some trouble loading today. So, I apologize if you are trying to uh, trying to send any questions or comments through the chat room. Hopefully, that will be up momentarily. Okay. Um, I'm going to interrupt y'all. I'm sorry? I said, I'm back. I dropped y'all for about three minutes. Oh, okay. Well, welcome back. I uh, hope anybody asked. I didn't know you were gone. Um, the next question is kind of has something a little bit to do with uh, the last topic. It has, it says, um, using sex as a weapon or a tool in relationships. Is it something that just women do or do men do it also? And if so, is it right or wrong? I think it's wrong. I think okay. women probably do that more than men do. I think women use the sex as a tool more than men do. Women seem to be able to pull it off better than a man could. I guess a man would, wouldn't shoot himself in the foot by saying, I'm going to withhold or, you know, or if he's using it, in, in some form of bondage and that kind of stuff to make to inflict some type of pain, then yeah, that's that's crazy. But most women will cut their man off if he doesn't cut the grass or take the trash out. <laughs> I think they both use it. I think they use it differently. I do too. I I think um, women use it as a, a way of to gain control or to gain um, power. Like you said, Wait, do you mean do what sex I tell you or do? sex appeal? Are you talking about no, the sex? sex? I'm talking about sex, period. Yeah. Sex but I think okay. men use it again because they know women have, you know, the hang-ups or are vulnerable or get attached sexually. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of women who, I have sex with you, you're going to be attached to me. So mm-hmm. once I have sex with you, I know I can pretty much have you do, this is from men to women, once I... Once you do, once I, you know, make you do something or we have sex or I do talk you into doing something you're not comfortable with doing, I pretty much got you because uh-huh. I know you're not going anywhere because now you're afraid to go somewhere. So I think I think men and women both use it. It's just very, it's a very different way of using it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And Not I think that, women, that men also like to, 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 to kind of, get us to do something like, okay, if you don't do it, somebody else will type of thing. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, they want right. to do that. You do what I want you to do. Cause, right. Yeah. I can always get somebody else to do it. Right, right. Right. And so then you feel like, mm. well, I don't want to lose him. And then you play in their right. playing your insecurities. I don't want to lose him, so I'm going to do it. I don't want to lose him. Because if I don't, somebody else Right, will. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, we do have a caller question. I'm going to bring them on. 
Hi, caller from 714. Hi, I've been listening to you guys. My name is Carlos, and I'm calling from California. Hi, Carlos. And um, I just wanted to just let you guys know that um, I totally agree with um, some of what you guys have been saying about the discrepancies between women and men and then how it's a lot different for for women to express themselves sexually like in a healthy manner where they're not being judged and mm-hmm. misrepresented because of the way that they they view themselves and their body. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot less freeing for women to, to express themselves because of the society that we are living in. But then again, you know, it's not necessarily all over the world. It's just, you know, in most white Western societies where, you know, social norms are don't do this, don't do that, because, you know, a lot of our societies are are based on shame and not being completely connected with yourself and having that acceptance of yourself and your body and, you know, having that ability to do with your body whatever the hell you want to do with it because it's yours. And... um. On the second one, the second question you just asked, I think that it's it's a balance between men and women. We all have this capability of using sex as a tool or as a, you know, a form of coercion. Um, you know, men use it all the time. I mean, sometimes I use it all the time where it's just kind of like, you know, it's a tool. Like, it's part of our energetics. Like, sometimes we use it, sometimes we don't, but... You know, it's it's within us to use our magnetic sexual energy to accomplish certain certain things. Like, you know, there's such things as tantra and, you know, sexual just energy where you can use it to manifest things that you want to accomplish or you want, period. So right. I think everyone uses it, period, like women and men. It's just whether you use it in a healthy way or you use it in a negative way. Right. Absolutely. Right. right. Well, yeah, quick, there are um, several things that you um, yeah. several things that you hit on that I want to mention. One where you mentioned um, the in this society, especially because we put so much shame on things, we right. are this very hypocritical Puritan society where we are not supposed to um, have sex outside of the confines of marriage and it's supposed to be completely, you know, within a religious-based marriage at that. Right. Um, so anything outside of that we're supposed to be ashamed of. And you see played out over and over and over in different stories where basically we're still doing the whole scarlet letter thing with women. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, they're responsible for, you know, anything that happens outside of the confines of that religious marital bed so when when women have um children outside of marriage it's always the she was irresponsible whether the and she's the one who's supposed to apologize for that behavior when she of course didn't get pregnant by herself um or you look at a woman who has several different children by several different men and you you judge her for that when she hasn't done anything different than anyone else it's her, the egg and sperm just happened to connect several times with her when someone else 
got lucky and that didn't happen. But she's not doing anything more than anyone else. So because right. there right. is physical proof that this woman has had sex with multiple men, then, you know, she's less um, valuable than a woman who does not have that physical proof because she can hide behind that invisibility of proof, basically. Um, yeah. And then you see how women, um, even when you're raising you, you're raising um, kids or you might think about how you were raised if you have brothers and sisters that are close in age, where the the boys are encouraged to go out and do anything and everything without question. He's being a man. He's sowing his oats. But the women are basically, you know, if you do anything and you came home late, what are you doing? Are you alone with that boy? And and in everything that makes if, if she expresses herself sexually at all whatsoever, you're a hoe. You're a slut. You're this. You're you know all kind of names because. Um, women aren't supposed to be sexual and you're not supposed to, quote-unquote, give yourself away. The man is sharing himself, but the women are giving herself away. Mm-hmm. So their double standards start very, very early. When, when of course they do. And, and, and they, they start they start in the church, man. They start from, that's a religious right. mindset. You know, from the beginning, you're taught that Eve was the one who blew the thing up. You know what I'm saying? Eve was the one who was deceived. It was that woman you gave me. From when the moment you start ingraining that and pushing that into the psyche of people, the woman is automatically the villain. She's automatically yeah, the villain. You know, there's been so, studies like done lately that show that um, from the moment like a six years old now, these kids are being shown to objectify women. Yep. To objectify them as sexual yep. products, like you know, they're only made for your sexual gratification. You see all of these crazy, like you know, just all sorts of images all over, you know, our media and you know, our peers and everyone around us that continuously push these ideas. And people think it's okay, you know, they think it's okay to think this way. It's okay to act this way. It's okay to experience these things as they are and you know it's it's really up to all all of us to to be like no it's not okay you know it's not okay to think this way it's not okay to objectify women it's not okay to continuously acknowledge you know or not acknowledge that they are just as valuable and just as important as the opposite sex and you know our society just if you look at it take a step back, everyone, you know, F, just about everyone is okay with the social norms. Like, we, we just continuously perpetuate these things by our actions and the way we think and the way we raise our kids and, you know, what we let them watch on TV, what we let others, like, you know, put into our minds and we accept them as the norm. Um but just like anything, if you see the trends and TV and all of these things, things can change if, you know, a large number of people start to incorporate new thoughts and new ways of thinking. You know, things don't have to be this way. We right. just have to be part of that change ourselves. Absolutely. Right. And I think That's it's it. important you mentioned social norms a couple of times. Social norms and social perceptions are two different things. 
So right. it's, it's important to, to realize that sometimes what you think is the social norm is just the social perception. Again, when you think that um, all the things you mentioned, advertising and things that we expose kids to, all of these images, they're very subtle and they're very sneaky. Right. And a lot of times they do that so that they enter your subconscious and you don't realize mm-hmm. that you're developing these you know, these thoughts and these ideas um, right. that that are going to cause you to make decisions and to make actions based off of those things that have been planted in your head and you didn't even notice. So one thing that right. we really need to start doing is noticing those subtle things. Um, a lot of things we we think is harmless. Um, right. You might see an ad where you know there are is a woman laying on the ground with several men over her, and how they have their hands placed over her or above her could suggest violence, right. could suggest right. sexual dominance, could suggest yeah. lots of things. And we just think it's just you know an ad for you know beer, and it's yeah. but it's. It's much more than that because they're selling you the power. They're not selling you the beer. They're selling you right. the feeling that you are sense of power or sense of yeah. attention that you get by buying this product. So you know what? Those, those are, you know what? And, and I didn't mean to cut you. You can go right from there. Let me put this in before I forget. I think, and I strongly advise anybody to get a get get some type of esoteric symbol book. And become familiar with it, and become familiar with ancient symbols and, and and iconography, and then start watching some of the commercials, and you'll really see what kind of game they're playing over your head, <laughs> and what they're really implanting into your subconscious, especially as it relates to women. I mean, that battle has been going on since wow, thousands of years, trying to suppress that energy, and if you can objectify it, and you can put it in a place where, you know. It's only used for this one utilitarian thing here, and nothing else. You can place it in a in a, in a posture of subjection or, or, or submission. But I think you know again with 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 people beginning to understand. First of all, having conversation with people that don't really understand that they're being brainwashed at all is a killer to me. You know, I've had conversations with people that are like, do you really think? that they're sending subliminal messages through the television and trying to tell us how to think. I'm like, absolutely. You know, and it seems like the farthest thing from their mind or something that's in some type of a sci-fi movie or something but couldn't be happening in real time in everyday life. But those same people walk around with those imposed ideologies and perpetuate with the standards on which we're talking about right now. It's crazy. Right. I mean, there are lots of lots of ads that have you know hidden messages in them, and right. for you to to think that um, you're not affected by that, or yeah. people just think, oh, I can look at it, but it doesn't mean anything, and it's not doing anything to me. Um, right. To be that naive about it, when you know people think I can look at an ad, and it's not going to make me go out and immediately right after I see the commercial, I'm not going to go out and, you know, buy Starbucks or whatever. Right. It might not be that direct, but it is circling in your thoughts, in your thought process. So the next time you are confronted with that opportunity, you will act on it. Um, right. So, you know, they have, I think, you know, with especially with, I think, Pepsi, 
I think they had Pepsi and or it was a Coke ad that blatantly had like um if you put the cans together, you stack the cans together that it has the it's like neon lighting or something in this. Right. Can, yeah, yeah. But it had sex written on the side of the can. Yeah. Um oh, wow. which you're not going to see. But yeah. it has but you know, it's there. Your subconscious sees it. Right. Just like do you remember that picture that I had with the Coca Cola ad with that uh it was yeah, reflected in the cube, the, the, the ice. Yeah, and it was like right. a phallus. This boy, little, it looked like a little boy. It was a silhouette of a little boy with his mouth open, with a phallus going into his mouth. Oh wow! I do that all the time. Yeah, just like what was that? That, yeah. that old, um, that old cartoon, The Rescuers. Remember the Rescuers, those little rats? They had a scene mm-hmm. when they were on the roller coaster that they slowed down, and they had, uh. In one of the reflections in one of the windows at the little roller coaster was riding by, it was these people having sex on a Disney film. Right. Disney film. And they also had they in the Lion King when yeah, and the lion had one in the Lion King too. When the lion, when um, I think um, Mufasa and Simba, when he was showing him around or something, and he puts his paw down and the dust flies up, and in the dust you can see S E X in the dust. Oh, he's right. Down. Yeah, I remember that. So, and you know that's, that's Disney. <laughs> Yeah, right. there's tons of things out there. It's insane. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, just, it's an attack on your subconscious all the time. All the right. time. You know? And yeah, then again, all the time. Know, go, back to that. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, just start looking at stuff more closely and really looking at what's in the background. You know, next time you're looking at a newspaper or looking at ads or looking watching TV, just start looking at stuff in the background or how they place Letters. Sometimes it could be the letters from one word combined right. with the letters from another word form a word yeah. that you might not notice, but subconsciously picks all that stuff up. Yeah. So it's something like consciously so, your your brain only absorbs maybe you know thirty percent of yeah. It's something something yeah. There's a big discrepancy of how much your subconscious picks up. Versus how much you're conscious. Right, 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 right. So, I have a question. Um, So, why do you think uh, our society and the people who, you know, have, obviously, they have the the means to put these things in our periphery, like, you know, TV, radio, blah, 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 newspaper, magazines, all of these things, these people have the ability to put these things in there, why do you think that is so? Like, what do you think this whole sexualization of our society is doing to us? Like, what is the point of this? I mean, I have a viewpoint of this. I just want to hear what you guys think about it. It's 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 objection. It's keeping people zombified. Right. Those means and those, those ways of developing those means to put stuff in your periphery and to keep things imprinted into your psyche are done deliberately, they're done intentionally, and they're done for a specific reason and purpose. And, you know, again, when you start talking about the 99 and 1, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff allows that ratio to be possible. You know, when you have the dog, the tail wagging the dog, so to speak, it's done because you've Fertilely, you, you fertilize the minds of the people, then you planted the seeds that you want to, to yield crop, and, and that's exactly what's happening. 
You know, when you control the printed page and you control uh, the way people think, you ultimately control the people. Right. And that's pretty much in a nutshell. Right. When you can control them, then they'll do what you want them to what right. what you want them to do, um, and without question. So it's it's people who are being controlled without realizing they're being controlled. Um, they don't ask any questions, and you give them enough information to think that they're being informed. Right. So you right. give them a little bit. At first you make right. them ashamed of something. Then you bombard them with it. And then when they like it, they feel guilty about it. And guilty people will pretty much do anything to relieve that guilt. And if you say exactly. that if you do this to relieve this guilt, because now you've taken the responsibility off of yourself and placed it in the I can help you relieve that guilt. And if you do what I tell you to do or you follow these rules, then you will right. be safe. Because basically right. everything comes down to safety and security or love. And sex right. is both of those things. So you make someone ashamed enough so that when they – you make them ashamed of something that is naturally them. Right. Knowing that they're going to have to develop the guilt because they can't – you can't fight off something that's yours. It's going to it's going to emerge sooner or later anyway. So when right. you tell some, somebody this, that's something that's completely natural, that is unnatural, and if you take part in this, then you're flawed. You're a flawed human being. Right. When you do it, you feel guilty, you feel right. shameful, you feel devalued, and then they, those same pe- people who did that to you offer you the solution, saying, well, if you do this, then I can help you fix that. Then you right. pretty much have that person, and that's what they do. Right. Yep, yep, yep. They offer up, they, they create the problem in many, many cases, and then absolutely... They'll come in and offer up the solution to right. that problem. You know, they're, they're like Microsoft. They create the virus and then they show the virus. <laughs> and then they tell you the antivirus. <laughs> right, right, right. And most people walk around and they live their entire life thinking that they have choice, but they really don't. Right. You know, you really don't have choice. Your choices have been given to you from birth. You know, and and I think mm-hmm. the most the more the people begin to realize that and understand it, the more they can kind of see where they are. But it's hard to get mm-hmm. somebody to even look in that direction. You know, when I started to sit down and take into account what was actually me versus what was things that were induced, it was mind blowing. It still is sometimes. You know, I'm still not completely free. I'm still fighting some of the the, the induced stigmas and and, and things of that nature, but, man, that game is, is it's multi-layered. It's so many components right. to it at this point that it, it's, it's, it takes a lot to get from under it. Once you begin to even realize that you're under that much control, you know, right. most people, <laughs> this is probably getting way off the subject too, but most people, once they begin to realize that they've never really, you know, everybody wants to delegate control to somebody else anyway. So most people don't want to wake up because they don't want to realize that they can take control. That's that's a scary concept in and of itself, you know. Right. Right, it is because there's a lot of responsibility with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And most people are not comfortable with that level of responsibility. Right. So when you're not, you comfortable, when you're not comfortable with it, you delegate it to someone else, and it, it, it ends in us thinking the way that we think now 
about ourselves, about other people, and the way society is governed, and all of that, because we've allowed someone else to shape and form our opinions for us. Right. And now we're just pretty much walking around, you know, mindless puppets being fleeced by whoever has the big, biggest shears to do it but at that moment. <laughs> right. Right. So taking it, kind of taking it back to um, the whole sexuality subject is, you know, and women are, are doubly controlled um, yeah. because we are taught, you know, from birth that you suppress your sexuality. You're not supposed to be a sexual person, um, but, you know, men are. So how, the, and, you know, there's such a, not only the double standard, but the imbalance of how does this very non-sexual person how might how are they supposed to, you know, get together and have a partnership with a partner who is, you know, been told you're supposed to be overly sexual? Mm-hmm. And then you put those two people together. How does that work? Well, I mean, um, if, you said if you put those two people together, or if those two people, yeah, you have this them. woman. You have this. You have basically a woman who's been told her whole life that. Um, you're not supposed to be sexual. Don't act on your sexual urges. If you do, there's mm-hmm. something, you know, dirty and wrong and bad about you. But then you're supposed to get married to this person who is, you know, super sexual, and all of a sudden you're just supposed to turn it on. I mean, it's, well, you know, what do you do with that? In situations like that, unless it's an arranged marriage, if it's not an arranged marriage and you have some sense of who that person is, you married them because... Obviously, there's more than you know that attracted you two together mm-hmm. other than the bed. Ultimately, those things tend to find their balance within those two people. You know, as all the other dynamics play out, the the bedroom follows, especially if they're incompatible. If he's ultra freak and she's mm-hmm. super conservative, if they're really in love right. and genuinely genuinely love one another, they find the balance within somewhere in the middle. You know, right. and quite right. often, you know, he can be the catalyst to pull her out of those extreme positions of of conserving. You know, I can't do mm-hmm. this and, and 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 purity and all that other stuff. Once you know, you begin to understand that that doesn't exist, then you're right. able to express yourself more freely. But if you're with somebody who really believes that those principles exist, and he's a super, uh, uh. Super sexual person nine times out of ten. If that's not a arranged marriage, then they probably wouldn't have gotten together anyway. And if they did, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I think, and I realize I think that's pretty much just a design. Um, like we were saying about suppressing the the female energy, I think that's pretty much a design that we are to basically we're we're supposed to go into this marriage knowing nothing. So we're supposed to stay submissive to this man and trust him and pretty much like what he likes. We're not, we as women are not supposed to have our own opinion, our own, just like the movie Coming to America, and she, the girl, he was marrying the chick in the arranged marriage, and he's like, what do you like? And she's like, whatever you like. That's pretty much how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right, right, right. And all of that, again, all of that is for, for, for a very specific reason. You know, in order for us in this masculine Western culture, for it to be what it is and to thrive the way that it is, you have to delegitimize the feminine energy. 
You have to compartmentalize that energy because if you don't, you know, you got a whole bunch of right brain thinking people out here, you know, who who are, 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 are doing things that don't fit into the masculine structure of the way things are set up and how they're set up and why they're set up. So, you know, the, the suppression of the feminine energy is very much by design. For first and foremost, that reason to keep the masculine in in its place and keep you know things the government the way that we observe it, the monetary system the way that we observe it, the capitalistic uh, 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 monster as it is. That's all masculine energy, and it only is able to function the way that it does because it's able to suppress the, the feminine energy, which, in my opinion. And if you do any real studies, is the stronger of the two energies. Which brings well, us it's, to it's um, another question I want to bring up. Oh, go ahead, um, Carlos. You have something. I was okay. just going to say, which is, you know, it's the energy that connects us all. It's, you know, it's what will bring us to source, and it's it's what will bring the balance that we we're needing. And in order for the people mm-hmm. to keep their power to keep this, you know, this illusion that we're living in, because it's it's really an illusion that they've created for everyone. Um, they they need that control. They need that feminine um, energy Absolutely. completely stomped to the ground. Because yep. if it rises, right. people will start looking at everyone else and, you know, realize, hey, there's something not quite right about this. There's something not gelling with me and, what is it that isn't gelling with me? Why is it that I don't, I'm not feeling these things? Why is it that I'm just completely apathetic? Why is it that, you know, the world is going on and all I care about is continuously grasping for more material goods? Why is it that, you know, I'm so involved in my own life right now that I don't look at my neighbor and feel compassion for what they're going through? Right. And in order for that to to start changing we you know the the feminine needs to come out but you know it it takes it, it taking a a step back and realizing that you're living something false that is not necessarily for you and thankfully you know right. we have taken a step back <laughs> and we're okay. talking about and it and that yeah that bring and absolutely you're so dead on with you know everything that kind of resonates with um, this topic and this this whole our whole blog talk is just the whole realizing that everything is energy and how we're moving into this you know feminine energy way of existing right now, which which is a perfect step, segue into our next question, um, which is what will happen to men or women who resist the female energy? What is our society going to look like with the awakening of the female energy within men? Do you think this world will become more peaceful and loving? That's like Brandon's question. That's Brandon's question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, you have no choice. You have no choice. I mean, and, and it's, it's it's more of a it's more of a convergence of left and right brains. A convergence of those two hemispheres. You know what I mean? Because we're specifically functioning from one, the left side at this particular point. So it's like when you when you begin to operate from both hemispheres, you have more of a rounded, you know, life path. You have more of a a rounded expression, whereas it's not so one-sided. 
everything is incorporated, everything is possible, everything is 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 is, is valid. Right now, you know, just half of everything we observe is valid, is valid, which of course limits you. So yes, every expression will probably more than likely be exemplified. Right. So what happens when those people who just are resisting it and they refuse to and have accepted that that's the way that we're headed, and men who just will refuse, and, you know, there's some women too, but, you know, for the most part who don't want to give up that kind of masculine energy, they're not willing to surrender the masculine energy oh, and wow. kind of succumb to, you know, what what does that look like and what happens to those people? Wow. Well. Can you? Hold on. I'm here. Wait. I think Doe's on the other end. Oh. I I think that um, what's what's going to put the energy that, well, what I feel is going to happen with these people is that they're going to find it really, really hard to identify with other people because, you know, mm-hmm. it takes connection to empathize. It takes right. connection to be part with everyone. And if you're disconnected, you're going to be completely out of, you know, society. You're you're not going to be able to function within because everyone's going to be connected. Everyone's heading to connection. How is right. someone who's not connected going to be part of society? No one... You know, it, it just doesn't work. They're going to be right. just really having a very hard time not understanding what's going on around them. And I feel that, you know, that's why people, you know, some people are, might just go crazy. They might just go right. crazy because they feel so isolated from that disconnect. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with... um you know, I think the feminine energy and that feminine power has a lot to do with vulnerability. And there are a lot of people, right. men and women, who, you know, operate from the masculine standpoint of I, vulnerability means weakness when it actually yeah. is, you know, one of the, you know, is, is a stronger strength than, you know, the defensiveness uh-huh. that happens with with masculinity. And I think what I think it has the potential it's going to be extremely painful for those people. And I think that what happens when someone who is, you know, completely attached to their masculine energy, when that feels threatened, the way that it that is expressed is often through anger, um right. and possibly violence. And so I right. think that until they can learn to be submissive to their vulnerability and to realize that that's a strength, it's not a weakness, then it's going to automatically kick them into that whole, you know, defensiveness and I have to fight because that's, I can't allow someone to see my vulnerable points because then I'm weak. And And in the, you know, old world, the masculine world, that that weakness means that you're going to be taken over. You're surrendering all your power. Instead of moving into that feminine power and that energy saying that I'm finally free, I can be vulnerable. I don't have to, I can let down those these walls. I can surrender it. I can 
feel more of my, you know, actual essence of spiritual power, and I can stop battling the whole ego. Um, it's going to be that it's going to be a very painful process unless you learn to, you know, be naked and surrender. Because that's what that's where the world is. It's all about surrendering. It's all about, um, you know, communication. It's all about, you know, looking at situations as a situation and not just what's the underlying power that has been plaguing us all this time. Um, so right. I, I, I can see it as possibly being, you know, very painful for mm-hmm. for people who are resisting. I um I really like the fact that you used um, these really great keywords, which is surrendering and submitting, and um, yeah, just those two words. They, they're very very important because you know to connect and to flow, you really have to surrender and you have to submit and you have to be okay with not knowing and. At the same time, knowing that everything's going to be okay. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing about what we're talking about right now, which is, you know, sexuality and, you know, pretty much healing ourselves in the world, right? Uh, the thing is, is that our society is so about domineering and being in power and not submitting and being correct and, you know, all of these hard harsh, hitting adjectives that, you know, are very, like, masculine and are very, like, forceful when what we, you know, what the change is going through is not these hard-hitting adjectives. They're very much about letting things flow. Like, when you're, you know, in the act of sex, when you're going through that, you know, to reach a balance, like, it's not about, like, you know, domineering. It's not about taking advantage of someone else. Like, when you're, when you're reaching a reciprocity, when you have a healthy sexual life and you're really enjoying it, it's, you know, you're both surrendering to each other. You're both letting it flow. You're both really enjoying the moment and you're not going crazy with, like, this power whatever it is that, you know, at the moment, this is what, you know, we're being taught to experience. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm really just looking forward to more of that, more of that flow and more of that right. surrendering right. because that's, you know, that's right. where we're heading. And I think a lot of that is, is part of doing your inner work and knowing knowing yourself and not being insecure with being able to be vulnerable to another, um, sexually right. or otherwise. If you know yourself well enough to be, you know, confident and confident enough to know whatever situation that you enter, it's not going to define you because you already are fulfilled, um, then you're not putting yourself at risk because you're not dependent on that person's reaction or non-reaction to you to define who you are or your value. So I think that whole, that is the balance in relationships, masculine or feminine, any relationship, sexual or otherwise, has to do with the person doing their inner work and feeling fulfilled within yourself and not depending on other people to define you in any way. 
because you can't control other people's responses or reactions at all, never. So for you to have expectations of what they, quote-unquote, should be doing or should say or should treat you is you looking outside of yourself for this person to show you what your worth is. And I I think in in sexual relationships, when you have those expectations, um, you know, you're basically setting yourself up to be hurt because no one, first of all, people can't read your mind, and they are looking, they're coming from their own perspective and own perception, and people can't do anything but from their own perception. You're basically giving them power over you and then getting mad at them for having power over you when you get Right. Um, so the balance has to be having balance in yourself and not depend on the other person. You, you you hope the other person works on themselves and you work on yourself, and that's how you have balance between the two, but you have to have balance with yourself. For each person has to do their own work. Right. Um, so, and that's with any relationship. And like mm-hmm. Carlos mentioned before with, you know, people thinking that I have to have stuff in order to, or, you know, we're basically a whole society of collecting stuff to make ourselves feel more valuable. And I don't have enough time to care about what's going on with my neighbor because I'm too busy trying to collect stuff or trying to keep up an image or trying to be important because they haven't done the inside work. You know work. what? You know what? That's, that can be attributed to the masculine energy, too. I oh, mean, yeah. even if you observe nature, Definitely. when you look at nature and you look at, like, the birds and how the birds... The colors of the birds, masculine versus feminine. The feminine is the lesser, uh, quote unquote, attractive of the two. The male of the species is always trying to impress right. the female. You know, that's a masculine energy yeah. as well. The males, yeah. the humans, are the only male species that are not more flamboyant, so to speak, than the females. It's the males right. that have all the beautiful colors and. You know, have the, so the males have the big manes to attract the females. The birds have the beautiful right. colors. The right. males, the peacocks, have, um, you know, these big, beautiful tails, and the peahens are just, you know, plain and brown. Um, <laughs> it's, it's you know, the, the what is it, the, the baboon, the one that has the big red booty? Um, you know, it's all about, yeah, it's all about the one, the, the, the males who are more flamboyant to attract the females, and the females, in in uh, human species are the ones who have to do all the work and dress up in the hair and the makeup and the nails and the high heels and everything to try to attract. Well, you know, the male. Um, that's usually I I actually saw this really amazing documentary in which um, the opposite was in a lot of indigenous cultures. You know, it's the men who who actually do that as well, where you know they paint themselves and um, there's one I'm not sure what tribe it was, but what they do is that they literally all all the males congregate together. They you know they all have like this really interesting group that they do, and each year they get together and they they literally do like a mate dance. And whoever is like more athletic, whoever has like you know the prettiest face because they paint their faces, whoever has like you know the most like literally the most jewels or whatever. And they do this really interesting, like, bird-like mating dance, and the women all kind of flock to, to the men who, right. who like, you know, who, who are the most colorful, who, who have the most 
attributes that they admire in their culture. Uh-huh. So right, that's the um, you know, yeah, that's the Kenyan, the Maasai jumping. Dance. The Maasai, right? That's what oh, okay. The Maasai mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but again, and that's a perfect example of how, um, you know, who who's more closer to nature than the Maasai? So right. those mm-hmm. who are living indigenous and living close to nature and 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 you know are following what the all of their natural instincts and inclinations that nature is is telling them to follow in order to be whole and to be free. And we look at those people as they're primitive. We right. can save right. them, look at them. They're you know, <laughs> you know, they're living in dirt huts and they've never made anything or built anything or they're poor and we look down on them when in actuality they are far more superior than we are because we constantly are removing ourselves from nature. And we uh, you know, look down on anyone who who does in this society dare to be close to nature, and you know, we call them, you know, names like you know, they're all oh, the gran- granolas or the people who you you know walk around with the tree sandals or the tree huggers or yeah. people who are wearing you know Birkenstocks all the time and only you have know, wear the same clothes every day and the recyclers <laughs> and all the people who we think are at least trying attempting to be as close to nature as possible. And we look at them as, you know, backwards. Why would you not want to take advantage of technology and things that are designed to take us further away from nature, further away from our natural powers and abilities? Right. Because um, those things, more dependent when you on observe nature, and you observe nature and you understand how things actually flow, and then you look at our culture and you see how upside down we actually are, you right. see why the the need to separate you from nature was important. You know, you can't you can't dismiss the idea that the closer you are to nature, the more in tune to the universe you are. You know, and I reference all the time the Dogon people down in Mali, who still live in grass huts, and people get grants all the time to go sit down there and talk, sit at those people's feet, and 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 learn about what's going on in the stars. They're pointing out constellations that we've just now be, just now discovered right. with 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 telescopes. These folks know about it, have always known about it. <clears throat> Draw the constellations in the in, in the stellar properties on their clothing. They don't have telegraph tele, uh, telescopes at first, but they know it's there because they're that in tuned with their surroundings. Right. <laughs> you know, and the, the less in tune you are with your surroundings the easier it is for someone else to tell you what your surroundings should look like or what you should think, as opposed to all of the ancient cultures learning and knowing as much as they did because they were that close to nature in the universe. They were in, they were in concert with the universe. They spoke to one another to the point that they were, you know, they were that, that intercon- interconnected. And the more we rely on technology and media and all of these other outside properties to inform us, the further we get away from that inner knowing, the further we get away from universal understanding, the dumber we get. Right, because we're not we're we are trained to not think for ourselves and to think that. Right. You know, with, with technology, you're bombarded with more messaging, and those messaging becomes intertwined with your thoughts when they re- basically replace your thoughts, and you don't even know what your own thoughts are anymore because ninety exactly. percent of what you're thinking. Is, has been planted in your head by some form of messaging. 
um, and which you get from the news, TV, movies, you know, billboards, your third, your third eye, your third iPhone, your third iPhone, <laughs> exactly, your third exactly, eye exactly. Um, you know, and we we've been taught to believe that, you know, we're the most advanced that we've ever been because we have all of this technology. When in reality, like you said, that you, they go and talk to Dogons and you think about all the things that they were able to do, all of these ancient structures that we still can't figure out how they built those structures with no, quote, unquote, with no technology um, right. because we're so far removed from who we are that we've forgotten all of that. Yep. Yep. And so now that we're getting back to the divine feminine, um, if we are in the faster we're able to surrender, so it's not a matter of if we surrender, it's when we surrender to it, because it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how much resistance you put up. So when we do allow for that to happen, we will realize, you know, there's no separation. We have all of this natural power and abilities that we've separated ourselves from that now we can embrace and we can move onto this new path and then we can be able to see something different than the way that the the world has been run um, thus far. When the last, you know, the, the human history that we've been exposed to anyway. Um and we can start seeing things differently. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I will be happy. Um, okay, let me see. The, the the only last question, and we're kind of away from the whole, um, we kind of have digressed, but the last question that I have, yeah, we are, but we're still keeping it in kind of the feminine energy, um, which kind of can fit... Um, kind of depending on, you know, how we, how we answer the question. But somebody, uh, one of the questions is about um, strippers. Mm. And all those strippers, it says all those stripping can be a gateway into other things like porn and prostitution. Do you think of it as, although it, it is not the act, sexual act, do you look at it as something, um, as the sex industry or what is this, something different? I think it's something different. I think you can pull all of those other sexual components into it. You can pull, you know, the uh, 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 prostitution aspect into it. But I think, you know, admiring a woman's body has always been something that men have done. You know, men are very visual creatures. And I think and if you've ever gone to see some of these strip shows, some of these girls take the thing personal. I mean, they 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 do things that rival stuff you see in the circus. They put a lot of time and energy into their craft. Let me say that. I think on some level you can look at it, and this is this is <laughs> walking a thin line here. You can look at it as an artistic expression. You can choose to look at it. Well, some of it, of course, is just wrong. Some of them just go on there and, and, and lay on their back and <laughs> open their legs. 
and that's the whole show. But a lot of them, you can tell those artistic ones because they put a lot of flair into what it is that they do, and it has some somewhat of an entertainment quality to it. So some people use it as a form of artistic expression. I think it always has been that. It, on, on some level, it has been that. I mean, if you look at some of the <laughs> ancient glyphs and some of the writings and drawings on the wall, you know, they're naked women. There have always been observances of naked women. So prostitution and <laughs> stripping kind of, they're, they're, not, they're not close to each other, in my opinion, anyway. I don't think yeah, I, I, I went to um, I went to see strippers just last night, and um, huh. it, it's just like you said, they put a lot of work into it, into what they do, and it's basically a routine. They actually do a routine to music. Most of the strippers that I saw last night, most of the strippers that I saw last night were dressed in jeans, and some of them had costumes, or costumes were, you know appropriate for whatever their name was or whatever it was they were trying to do. And it wasn't just about, and hardly any of them actually pulled their penis out or anything like that. It was just creating a certain illusion. It was the way they were moving, whether they were gyrating on you or whether they were, you know, just, it was real seductive the way that they did it. So and then, right. you know, for comparing that to prostitution, whatever goes on behind the scene, I mean, I'm quite sure you can get a number and meet one at the hotel afterwards, but who you can mm-hmm. do that with in fan walking up the street. So right. Right. you know, it, it, it's I don't I don't I don't I think so I think I don't I don't see anything wrong with stripping. I don't think that, that goes hand in hand with prostitution myself. No. Um, no, I don't I either. And I will say that I took a um a, a pole class, a pole dancing class. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that those women make it look easy where I couldn't even pull myself up or hold myself up on the pole. So after right. doing that, that needs to be an Olympic sport. And I am not kidding. Because <laughs> that is some amazing right. If they can flip themselves upside down like that and everything that they do, holding themselves sideways and walking down imaginary stairs and everything, that needs to be right. in sport. That needs to be right. recognized. Um, I mean, so on that, that note, that's a lot of work. That is no joke. Oh, it is no joke. And I also think that, you know, women women's bodies are beautiful. And I think it is, you know, an art. It can be an art. and Or the human body. The human body, period. I'm not just going to say women. But the human body, period, is beautiful. And I think that we can... Um, appreciate it without it being what what some people would consider um, raunchy or perverted. Just enjoy it for what it is and what it can do. And I think there's a a part of stripping that you are just admiring, and I think it can be an art form. I think you can just admire the body and then, you know, not be raunchy or dirty, but sometimes it is very raunchy and dirty. And I think that's you know, kind of goes more into people's primal impulses and drives, which is a part of who we are too. But I think it is something very separate from prostitution um, and porn. I think it's very isolated. I think people use it for whatever they use it for on both sides. Mm -hmm. The men and women who are strippers, 
and then the men and women who go and view it. Some people just want to, I want a night out. It's fun. It's going to, you know, give me hot and father, and I'm going to go home to my man, woman, whoever, um, and we're going to have, you know, a good time. Or it could just be, you know, I, I, I'm a, could be an exhibitionist, and I like to show my body, so this is one way for me to do that. Or this is a good way for me to make money. Or, you know, I admire anybody who can get it, who can have confidence enough and feel comfortable enough with their body to expose stuff like that. I mean I, I I admire that. But you know what though? So you talk you talk about an exercise of perception though. Check this out. When you see well when you go to well me personally, I'm speaking for me personally. You go to a strip club, and especially the ones when they're able to be totally nude. I call it the shoe show because they're just wearing shoes. It's more alluring when they put their little night, the little thongs and the little uh, uh, covers on and walk around than it is when they're butt naked. It's like when you have, when you can use your imagination more than you just see everything laid out there for you. It's more alluring and more appealing. And I'll reference that to say talk about an exercise and perception. Right. You can, you know. I don't know if you've ever right, gone. Right, because it gives you, you know, when somebody, you know, it's pretty much, that's the show's over at that point. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Someone's naked and you then the show's over. But, you know, when you have something <laughs> where you think even mentally there's something more, right. there's something to look forward to, right. you know, I'm still wanting more, then right. you're still holding on and it's still creating some sense of, you know, excitement. Anticipation and well, excitement. You know, Right. Yeah. Getting totally naked. Anticlimactic as hell. Right. Then it's done. Then it's over. Right. Right. Wow. Right. That's very interesting. Um, So I think that, um, you know, and I at this point would hope that we are open enough as a society to realize that, you know, men and women can be naked and take their clothes off without it and just because they're open and not necessarily because, you know, it's it's gotta be something dirty or perverted which people still aren't, you know, hiding or looking around when they enter a strip club or a right. sex shop or, you know, some something that has to do sexual industry in public when how long has it? And, and it's just a biggest part, bigger, a big part of your life, just like you know any other aspect. Right. We eat, we breathe, we have sex. Right. Why should that I'll be, be glad? So I'll be glad when people, it? when people are able to say, you know what, I'm gonna do me, regardless of what that looks like, regardless of what the person next to me, in front of me or behind me is thinking. I'm, I'm comfortable enough with myself to not even worry about what they think. You know, as long as everybody's worried about what the person next to them is thinking about them, we're always going to have, you know, some sense of craziness and people being ashamed of aspects of themselves that they shouldn't be ashamed Mm -hmm. of, you know. Then you start giving in an accurate location of where you are. Then you start living somewhere that you're completely uncomfortable with, and then you're totally out of character. And, you know, whatever your experiences are supposed to be, you're completely off your path because you're trying to be something that somebody, that you think somebody wants you to be or you think that somebody will approve of. Right. When we get past that, man, I think we can have a... a, a freedom. A, 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 
Yeah. That's freedom. Yeah. That's your freedom. Right. Right. So, you know, when you stop worrying about what other people think or when people stop caring about other people's I mean, why do we and on, on the flip side, why do we care so much about what other people are doing? If we paid as much attention to our own business as we paid to other people's business, then, you know, we wouldn't have to right. wouldn't have time to worry about what other people are doing. Let people so true. be them. Um so true. You know, we come from and again it's our whole hypocritical Puritan society, religious society that we're not supposed to explore certain parts of ourselves because someone said that it's wrong and it's dirty. Um, you know, I come from you know, my my I have I know my grandmother who basically said and my mother my mom, you know, forgive me, but <laughs> my grandmother who said that, you know, my mother had four kids. And she said her husband never saw her naked. So that's where I come from. Right. Um, of course, my mother was not that uptight, but because my grandmother was very uptight, my mother was like, I do not want you guys to be that uptight about sex. So my mother, you know, whatever hang-ups she may have had, she never really let us know about it growing up because she did not want us to be ashamed of who we are. Um or ashamed of that part of ourselves because she realized how damaging it could potentially be to hide an entire aspect of yourself. And that's exactly what it does. It's very destructive. It's very destructive to to be ashamed of a huge aspect of who you are because somebody might shun you or somebody might reject you Um when they've mm-hmm. set you up to, for them to be able to decide your value, and then when you go outside, when you start to find your own value in yourself, they shun you and cut you down and, and make you pay for for thinking for yourself, basically. Right, right, right. Because I mean, if you look at there's there's never really been a time in history when everybody was on the same page, so. Just coming from from the mass perspective, and how every when if we if we sit here and we think that everybody one day is going to think the same way, I think we're selling ourselves a lie. I really do. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, it's not 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 like that. Not like that. I think it's going to be a, a huge awakening of people, but there are always going to be people that are too afraid of that type of responsibility. There are always going to be people who need someone else to do it for them because they don't want to have to to assume the responsibility of being completely in control of themselves regardless of what happens. You know, to know regardless of what happened to you that it was you that did it. That's too much for a lot of people to swallow. That's too much for a lot of people to swallow. Right. So, and I think with, know, with having women realize their you know, feminine power and sexual power, it's that whole, you know, being afraid of, you know, the whole alpha has always been the male. So having a female with her feminine power and embracing her feminine power and then realizing that she's the alpha. Right. Once that happens, 
once that emerges, there is no closing that box. Yeah, that's true. Once you let that that's out of the true. box, there is no closing that box. That's true. So I think there's going to be a, a struggle, and that's that's why it's been designed that way all this time, is so that absolutely women women will not realize how powerful the femininity or being a female or embracing her body and embracing those sexual energies. You embrace that sexual energy and you're comfortable with that, and that's the only thing that they've really been able to hold over us is being ashamed of your body and being ashamed of that natural power and ability that you have. Once you embrace that and you know how powerful that is and then you're comfortable with it, Hmm. there's no box. No, there isn't. There isn't. I agree with you. I agree. It's all wow. over. So, and I think that's that's you know that's what's next. That's where we're coming. It's to that truth. Yeah. Truth to realize yeah. how powerful we are, and you can see it in other parts. Of, I mean, the men again, society, United States particularly, who is the only major country who hasn't had a, fem- a female um, leader. Right. Um, mm-hmm. right. You know, we're the last ones to really give that up and to embrace that. Absolutely. So, so I think I we're in for some exciting time. What'd you say? I said, I'll tell you, I'm more free recognizing that right. energy and the power it has. Absolutely. Wow. That is a beautiful feeling. <laughs> That's right. what they've been trying to keep y'all from. That's why they had standard woman wearing a size zero. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. <laughs> Anything north of a size zero is fat. Right, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Am I gonna be dating them 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 bones you see sitting in the biology class? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Yeah, and that's a whole other subject is the whole, um, you know, African female. Right. And the energy that that carries. Right. And the femininity of, you know, a, a female, a woman that looks like a woman who has curves and butt and hips and breasts. And embracing right. that instead of looking like, you know, a 12-year-old boy with breasts. Right. Pretty so, you know, that whole thing, having a woman embrace her femininity and embrace her female body um, for all of everything that it has to offer and realizing that and appreciating that and um, knowing that being feminine and being emotional and being vulnerable are your strengths. Right. And when all of that is teamed together, that's what's yeah. Take over yeah. That's the truth. Teaming all of us together, and we're getting there. We're getting there. I agree. I agree. I agree. Totally agree. You know, with all of these commercials, you know, Weight Watchers and everybody else would would stop if we could stop getting people to go from a normal size twelve, they're considered fat. To, they have to be, you know, a zero or, you know, a two. Everybody goes, on those commercials, everybody goes from, like, a 12 or 14 to, like, a two. Right. <laughs> Which is crazy. 
So, you know, there's no way a a grown adult woman woman should be a size 2. Right. And not have everything functioning correctly. Right. You know, your body's all the way. You probably won't get another period if you stay that small. Right. Right. Your hormones are all out of whack. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. They're paying for that. You pay for that. You might feel like, you, you know, you look good, but you're paying for that. Right. You look you look less like a woman and you and you functionally you're you're functioning less from a Right, a woman's you're cutting off your female hormones basically because yeah. you need to yeah. have a you need to have a certain amount of fat on your body in order to create estrogen. And so if you don't have a certain fat percentage, you're not creating estrogen, you're not gonna have a period, you're not um re- you're not able to reproduce, you know. Wow. You're not um fertile. So um, wow. Now they have where these young girls, before they even start their period, are thinking they're fat. So they go on diets and they're, you know, nine, ten years old. And the health industry pretty much is playing a role in that, too, with the BMI. I know that, you know, with the kids that are, as soon as you're, you know, two or three, you're supposed to switch from whole milk to the skim milk. You know, skim milk. Low fat. Because they yeah. don't want you to have as much as low fat and you don't you know, the the BMI charts, although kids are, you know, perfectly healthy, the BMI chart mm-hmm. says that you're overweight. So you're supposed to put you cut your kids, you know, there's gotta go out and run out and play and they have to, you know, don't give them any sugar and don't do this, which is not health reasons per se, it's weight. You have to be, because they don't ask you how healthy you are or what you're eating. It's you need to cut right. down on something because the BMI chart says that you're overweight. Right. So that starts very early. Um, so they're, you know, trying to suppress that. Even, you know, they, it's, it's boys and girls, but, you know, they're trying to suppress that, um, you know, even before, you know, girls go through puberty. They They can't be fat. Right. And although they're supposed to be, you know, sexual objects, don't be sexual. Right. So there's a lot of tricks. There's a lot of tricks. Um, it's all designed for the same purpose, right? Yep. Suppress that energy and to make it masculine at every ch- every chance you can. Yeah, it's, it's conquering, time. right? Conquering that feminine energy, um, mm-hmm. and that's you know, and then we can even go into. You know, sexual slavery and the sex trade industry where all right. these, you know, young girls are sold in slavery. Um, or, you know, you can go to Thailand or, you know, it's on every continent. But you can go home mm-hmm. and, you know, have sex with these young girls or young boys too. But it has to do with more of that masculine power. Dominant. more powerful. And you can right. dominate Dominant. someone. So you have right. sex with young boys or young girls or vulnerable, weak women who don't have any choice, then you can dominate over them, and that makes you feel more powerful in in a masculine manner. So that's what fuels the whole, you know, sex slavery industry. Yep. Yep. Again, that that, that very key component of dominance, you know, that's that's replete throughout any masculine society, throughout masculinity itself. You have to establish superiority. You know, there has to be a winner. There can't be collateral, coexisting, everybody across the board, social. That's why within, you know, the lexicon of, 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 of political 
you know, of, of the political arena, socialism and stuff like that are like the worst thing in the world you can do is to give someone else equal footing. You're supposed to stand on top of them. You know right. what I mean? You're supposed to be over top of them. You can't allow anyone else equal footing. You can't have a unilateral practice where everybody is able to participate or are exposed to the same, you know, amount of opportunities or advantages. You have to have has and have nots. That's part of the masculine dynamic. You have to have the alpha and you have to have the subordinates, you know. Right. So even in a, um, you know, a society where everyone is, you know, it's a utopian society where everyone's needs are met and everyone has and everyone has a place to live, there's still going to be a... You know, everyone thinks of the future as we need to move towards this, um, you know, like that the zeitgeist guy who was talking earlier about his utopian society and the oh, Venus. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, you Venus know, the Venus project. project in Venus, California, where they're trying to create this um, community where everyone has a home and everyone's fed. There's still going to be a hierarchy of power. Um because somebody's going to be making the decision. Right. And basically it's it's a man from a masculine, dominant perception who is planning all of this. So therefore, he's not just going to, I you know, I better, very much doubt he's just going to be like, okay, I planned it and did it, but now I'm going to step aside and allow, you know, the feminine energy or the Females to make all the decisions. It's not going to happen. It's interesting that he named it the Venus Project, though. Yeah, well, I think it was the Venus. I thought so too, but I think it's because it's Venus, California, or Venus, Florida, or whatever. Well, really, it's the name of the plot. Oh, well, that cheats. I think it's. I think that's the city where it is. It's in Venus, Florida. But yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, as well, that's interesting. That he said. It sounds yeah. more like Mars than Venus to me. Uh, um, but exactly. I think it's because exactly. it's in Venus, Florida. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, all of that goes along with, you know, that whole masculine dominance goes along with, you know, physical dominance um, in relationships or otherwise. That's why, you know, people, men spend lots of time in the gym. Right. Um, it's that whole, you know, physical dominance. I have to feel more powerful um, mm-hmm. than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I can't I haven't I haven't really finished it yet, but within all my studies and, and this is controversial. This is this is real controversial, but what I'm what everything seems to be pointing to is of course that the masculine energy is the lower of the two. If you were to break it down, you know, from chakras it would be anything from the heart lower would be masculine. And anything from the heart above would be feminine energy. The feminine energy is the higher of the two. That's just where my study yeah. is. And I can see that. And I, I can definitely can see how um, with, with the masculine energy, it's very insecure energy where it has, yeah, it has, to, it has to keep reassuring yeah. itself that it's, it's, you know, it's important or that it's visible or it has, it needs constant reassurance. And right. it also, um, needs to, you know, constantly push its power so that everybody knows 
who's in control or who's it, it never is I'm gonna just allow it to be because it is. Right. Partially because it knows that it's not as strong. So it has to constantly, you know, push and keep communicating and which is usually by some kind of physical means. Right. Um right. so that it appears to be the circumstance. It appears to be right. dominant. So otherwise if it was if it was as strong as you know it wouldn't have to constantly reiterate it in one way or another. It would just be. So, um I think that's you know, the the struggle to hold on, I think everything right now is the struggle for resisting the feminine energy and to hold on to that masculine energy because that's what's been in control all this time and they're not just gonna right. just fold and, and, and turn over control right. without a struggle or a fight. Right. So right. I think there's gonna be a struggle or a fight for a while before right. you realize that the resistance is futile or it's doing more destructive and being resistant causing your own destruction and demise, sooner or later you're going to have to realize that you're going to have to succumb and turn it over. So it's a matter of when, not if. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. It's going to cause, it's going to cause a lot of paradigms to shift. It's going to cause a lot of, of, of ideologies and belief structures to completely abandon their philosophies, the philosophies that have been put up and put in place to to mitigate this energy. You know what I mean? When they I think checkmate was when they made God or the creator all male. Right. When they start pushing that one and people started accepting it, that was checkmate. You know? When you create when you when you when you make the authority that's above everybody in your image, you automatically make everyone subordinate to that image. So when they took the feminine principle out of that particular image and that 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 concept, that was checkmate. You know, because everybody functions from some some sense of morality, and everyone gathers their morality in Western culture from the religious context. So when they made God all man, you know, that was the slope there. It's pretty much over. Meaning God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all male. Huh? Meaning you're, and I'm clarifying, um, oh. you're saying made God, you mean God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit yeah. are all male. the Holy Spirit. Male. Yeah, they're all, they all have masculine connotations to so. them. You know, and and where in where anywhere in history or in nature can you observe the idea that masculinity brings anything into creation? You know, you can't create anything without the feminine principle being involved. So, you know, when you sell the idea that, you know, the woman has nothing to do with the hierarchical, you know, structure in terms of the creator, all the way down to the fact that she was an afterthought after that very boys club creator created another man, created a man, and then said, oh, wow, hold on, let's, something's not right. Let's create a woman. When you sell right. that, you know, <laughs> little wonder why you're able to seize control and have been able to, you know, seize control and maintain that control this amount of time because everything 
all of the stuff prior to, you know, uh, uh, the Crusades and the Inquisition and all of those things that kind of pushed us to where we are now, they all lent to the idea that everything came from the everything came from the woman. Even the pharaohs, as they call them in Egypt, were put in position by the matriarchal system or through the, through the lineage of the woman. It wasn't this guy had this son, so he's going to be in control. It was through the woman in the, in the matriarchal perspective, not the patriarchal. Always been that, not until you know recent history <laughs> and how we observe things now that the feminine is pushed to the background, <clears throat> and that's why everything is able to operate the way that it is, and everybody's a right. super competitor, and you have to have winners and losers. And right, all of the and you you think now, about that, especially with the Bible, because you hear a lot of women who say, "Oh, the Bible just says that," but I don't really like the um. The first Corinthians eleven, where it has basically the breakdown of God was man was created for God, but women were created for man, so women man, are under yeah. men, so yeah. you know a lot of women will read that and say, "Well, yeah, I know it says that, but I don't really you know think that, or I know you know my husband thinks that we're equal, and you you go to church every day again, it's one of those things in the subconscious, whether you it's designed for you to, you're looking at the hierarchy of power. I am right. two steps, you know, my husband is a step from God, but I'm two steps from God. So right. that makes me inferior right. because I basically have to go through my husband to get to God or go through a man, whether it's your husband or not, the minister, whatever. You have to go through a man to get yeah. to God. Right. Um, right. Because you are not close enough you're not or fully worthy enough. You're not, fully, you're, you're not represented within that expression. Right. You have to have a mediator. You have to have somebody who looks like that created to go there for you because you're not represented in that expression at all. You can't sit at that table. Right. Right. You need a propitiator. You need somebody to go before you who looks like the people so that again, are at the table. Right. So all the subconscious stuff that we were talking about earlier... Right. Um, with all of the advertising, it works the same way. Right, right. That was my point. It works the same way. So when exactly. we're an afterthought, women are an afterthought, or second-class citizens, or you come after men, um, or you can be, you have to have, you know, you don't, you are void of certain rights and privileges. You know, you start to think of yourself as smaller or lower or limited. And if, God said you're smaller and lower and limited, then, you know, what bigger authority yeah. is that? And that's a man, too. Right. Right. So, right. you know, if you, if you, how can you not think of yourself as, you know, non-powerful or non-potent if you automatically are told, basically, God is telling you that you're second class? Or you need to right. sit down and let somebody else speak for you. Yep. You don't have any authority here. You don't have any say here. Right. You know. And like you said, even those ones who don't identify with it, you know, in their forefront or in their, in, in their immediate psyche, they identify with it just by nature of the fact that they were born in Western culture. Right. Exactly. You know? 
it's repeat yeah, throughout and everything. Not only you know, Western culture, but lots of cultures. You know, even religious based right. cultures where it's um, you know, Muslim cultures where women can't show any skin. If they show skin and they get raped, then it's their fault. You know, if they show an ankle and they have raped them. Even that, even even the Muslim culture, the way that it is observed now, is a product of Western culture. That's a product of yes. the same. Yes, it's a product true. of the same. It comes from the same place. It comes from the same place. That's why, that's you know, the Quran and in some instances, the Quran and the Bible are almost interchangeable. They come from the same place. Right. You're trying. You're yeah. You're absolutely right about that. What about, um, you know, women and, you know, one thing that we, we didn't really talk about but it's kind of making me think about how I can barely hear you. women how women are um, looked at or shaped or how, atti- how attitude is, of, you know, thinking about, you know, football season and sports and all of that and how just the kind of, if you think about women, um just kind of the dump, even the, the feminine aspect of a woman in sports, which you think of sports as a very masculine thing, although there are a lot of athletic women are very physical. Um, just think about how sports is looked at from a women's as well from women's sports are looked at much different than than men's sports. Right. Um, you know, even if they're playing the same sport, it's you know it's weaker or it's limited, instead of looking at it, it's almost like that thing where where they say that Einstein quote where it says if you judge if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its life thinking that it's stupid. Um right. you know, we basically try to turn women into many men M I N I many men, um, as far as it is with when they express themselves physically, especially with sports or anything else, instead of allowing women to be women, um, we're judging them by how they compare to men. Right. So, right. you know, when you when you analyze that, it's, again, trying to turn, well, if you can't, comp- it's like the whole competition thing. Well, women are not as good of an athlete because they can't dominate men. But right. I'm sure mentally and strategically, the way that women men. play sports right. is so much different than right. men. And that's how it needs to be analyzed and looked at instead of comparing it to, well, she's a good athlete because she acts like a man. Right. And not looking at her as what her feminine qualities are. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for its own property. Well, I mean, but when you open that door, you have to start appreciating. <laughs> you have to start appreciating the woman for what she really is. You know what I mean? You can't. You have to be vigilant on all fronts of that thing. You can't begin to say, okay, you know what? We're going to observe this particular aspect of the woman because it's valid and it, it makes sense, and you know, it, it's something worth you know patronizing. Because once you do that, then you have to start opening up other cans and other other venues, and then the facade starts to fall. You know, you have to right. continue to compare the woman to the man. You can't start looking right. at her, exactly. or you know, and appreciating her for her own unique values. 
because you're, right. you're 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 offering her a seat at the table at that point. You know, exactly. and that's something that they can't right. ill afford to do. So that right. won't happen. Right. And we are approaching the end of the the show, the um you know, the main show online. We always get to something interesting at the end. Um so I do want to thank Carlos, thank you for joining us. Um, I appreciate all of your input. Feel free to call us again. And um, those of you who are um, are listening online, thank you so much for listening to us. We are on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes, The Immortals, Beyond the Illusion podcast. Um, email us any questions you have or ideas for future shows. And thank you very much for listening. Um, and, um, you know, please feel free to uh, call in and give us um, any comments or feedback that you have. Um, if you guys have anything else to say, we've got about 10 seconds left, or we can go into the, the after show. But we're in the after show right now. So if you guys have, if you guys want to continue on this, if you guys have anything else to say about about that, or if you guys are, um, want to go ahead and close up. I don't know. Show. I'm done, but if somebody says something that might spark my curiosity. But... <laughs> I'm done. I got hair. I get to finish. You got what? Okay. Hair to finish. Oh, wow. I did. Breathe hair. Yeah. <laughs> All right, see you all later. Right, okay, baby. well, thank you very much, and we will catch everybody next time. Thank Bye. you. Bye. 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 Look like when you do